Good morning, Covenant College. Um, wow. Uh, we want to welcome our trustees and trustee advisors who are here for the board meetings. Um, they sacrifice their time and talent and treasure. Uh, they leave their ordinary occupations and their families to come and help govern the college. And let's give them a big round of applause. If you have a Bible, please open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Listen carefully to the first nine verses. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers, Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place, or rather, as a result, you became this example, for the word of the Lord rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father, we do pray that Your Spirit would work by and with Your Word uh, to renew our vision that we would be men and women characterized by works of love and labors of faith and an endurance inspired by hope that Jesus might get the glory and praise. We ask in His name. Amen. So, I, I woke up in my tent. We were camped in the Sierra Nevada, uh, north of Yosemite National Park. Uh, it was the middle of the night. Something big was walking by, and my tent was shaking. Um, I could smell its breath. I could hear it snorting and grunting, and I knew it was a bear. Now, thankfully, he didn't come over to my tent, uh, which was held up with two trekking poles, and if he had simply breathed on it, probably would have fallen over. Um, rather, he went to my friend Gene's tent and began to try to see if he could locate the Snickers bar that surely was attached to the wrapper from a Snickers bar that was in Gene's trail pants that he had kept in his tent. 
That bear was leaning on his tent, was trying to stick his nose in the tent. Um, He began to say things that probably a ruling elder in the PCA shouldn't articulate out loud in a very loud voice and then banged the bear on the nose with his water bottle, at which point the bear took off. So, of course, all of us got out to see how much damage had been done. Can you believe it? His tent had not a scratch. The frame had not buckled or bent. There were no tears in the fabric. My first thought was, thank you, Lord, for sparing Gene. My second thought was, I got to get a tent like this. It's bear-proof. <laughs> Backpackers are crazy obsessive about their gear, right? We're always looking for the latest thing, the, the strongest fabric with the lowest weight, whether it's a pack or a tent or a pair of boots or trekking poles. We're looking for that which will be perfection. I spent part of my spring break down at Rock Creek just taking notes on all the new gear that had come out. We're always on a quest to find the real, authentic article. Have you ever felt that way about your faith? I'm not surprised if there might be a few of us here who have grown up in the church, grown up in Christian families, but maybe never made that faith our own. And we're still searching, still seeking, still watching and waiting to be convinced that it is the real truth, that it's the real thing. We're looking for evidence of a genuine faith. And for those of us who are believers and have been believers for some time, don't we wrestle on occasion with whether or not we're doing the Christian life well, whether or not we're being faithful enough, hopeful enough, loving enough, Beloved, we have good news from the Apostle Paul this morning that because we are deeply loved and called by God, we are going to be men and women who produce works of faith and who perform labors prompted by love and who are given by the Holy Spirit a perseverance and endurance of hope that will see us through to the end. That's who we are. That's what we're called to do. First of all, works produced by faith. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, He had visited them. Uh, You can read about it in Acts 17. He wasn't there very long, just a couple of three weeks. Uh, But during that time, he had gone to the synagogue and spoken, and there were God-fearing Greeks who came to faith in Jesus Christ, as well as a smaller number of Jews. This stirred up the local authorities in the Jewish synagogue who went to the Roman authorities and said, these guys are turning the world upside down everywhere. They've come here, do something about it. And they actually, the authorities went to a guy named Jason's house and pulled him and some buddies out of the house and took them into custody. They were looking for Paul and Silas and Timothy, but they couldn't find him. And that night they got out of Dodge or out of Thessalonica anyway and headed to Berea. What was going to happen to that church? Were they going to survive when they were facing such severe persecution? And Paul begins with the thanksgiving. He says, we always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. For we recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith. 
He is thinking here in part about the way that they had received the good news of the gospel. Um, Down in verse 4, he says, We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He's chosen you, because our gospel didn't come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Did Paul have full conviction of what he was saying? Of course. Did Paul speak in the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But did the Spirit work by and with the Word in the hearts of those among the Thessalonians to give them a deep grasp of the faith? You bet. They were those who were moved then by the Spirit uh, to begin to do works of faith. What Paul says, knocked my headgear off there, sorry about that. Start feeling it slipping down your face and going, something is wrong or awry here. Um, what kinds of works of faith were these? Well, we're not told specifically. A part of it was their believing in the face of hardened opposition, uh, that they were staying the course. That was part of it. A part of it is what Paul talks about down in verse 6 of chapter 3. He says, Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He's reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. And then he prays that their love for one another and for everyone would continue to grow and increase. They were walking in holiness. They were stepping out in holy boldness. I spent part of the break rereading Dr. Will Barker's um, Preeminence of Christ in the History of Covenant College, 1955 to 2005. Uh, That was the 50th anniversary. I don't know if you realize it, this year is the 50th anniversary not only of the PCA, but of Covenant College coming to this campus, 1963. Is that amazing? Actually, that's not right, is it? 60th. Thank you, Kendall. Yeah, I can't count. What, what you don't realize, probably, is that the people that started this college and built this campus were giants. Uh, Dr. Robert G. Rayburn, uh, who had served as a chaplain in the U.S. Army uh, during World War II, volunteered to serve with a parachute regiment uh, to become, um, if you will, a paratrooper in Korea and to make his very first parachute jump without any training uh, behind enemy lines into a combat zone. Um, while he was on the aircraft, he was praying to the Lord, and he said, Lord, um, if I'm going to serve these troopers, I've got to be able to show confidence in the face of great stress. Uh, will you help me calm down? And he fell asleep and slept for two hours to the drop zone, woke up, went out the door, made the jump, and for weeks after that, guys were coming up to him and saying, Chaplain, We heard that right before your first jump, you slept all the way to the drop zone. How on earth did you do that? And he was able to tell them about his faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Later on, of course, Dr. Rayburn and his wife Laverne uh, came to the college here. Uh, When they came to Carter Hall, it was a disaster. And people like the Rayburns and Colin and Rudy Schmidt 
and Roger and Sarah Lambert, uh, they got in there and they cleaned toilets and they scrubbed floors and they repaired uh, dorm rooms to get it ready for students to come down. Students and staff and faculty working together for that first class to come here on the mountain. They didn't have the money to pay for it. What they had was a conviction and a faith that God had called them to it. What if you and I were to build on that legacy? What if when you go into your classroom this afternoon or you go into your science lab uh, or into the art studio or to the music practice room, you were to take the work that you are doing in the fulfillment of their vision that there would be a community of scholars, both young and old, that together would pursue the preeminence of Christ in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found, bringing glory to God by pursuing truth. What if that became our heart? What if we offered the work of our hands, both as faculty and staff and students and administration and the board of trustees, as a worship, an act of worship, an act of faith uh, to the Lord Jesus. Uh, it was C.S. Lewis said that every action becomes holy, becomes sacred on the condition that it's offered to the Lord. B.B. Warfield noted that if you are called as a student or as a scholar, you fundamentally glorify God the most by simply studying not that it has to work out to an edifying conclusion. Uh, some of your studies will never be complete. Some of your dreams are going to feel like Tolkien's leaf by niggle, that you devote your life to the pursuit of that which is just beyond your grasp, only to find in glory that God has made it beautiful in His time. John Coltrane um, was a jazz musician uh, who had a spiritual experience uh, back in 1957. He said, by the grace of God, I had a spiritual awakening which led me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel that this has been granted through His grace. All praise to God. This album is a humble offering to Him an attempt to say thank you, God, through our work, even as we do in our hearts and with our tongues. May He help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. Covenant College, you're engaged on a great endeavor. You stand on the shoulders of giants who went before you to make the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge an act of worship of the King. Step out boldly in acts of faith. And then Paul says, pursue labors of love. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, he continues, we recall your labor motivated by love. The word that he uses there is arduous, wearying toil, working yourself to exhaustion. When I come into class sometimes in the morning, I see you having worked yourselves into exhaustion. Uh, sometimes it's because you've been up all night uh, with a roommate or a suite mate down at the ER to give them comfort and encouragement while they're seeking medical attention. Sometimes it's because you've been on a mission trip halfway around the world uh, during classes, no less, 
and you've come back utterly jet-lagged and exhausted. Sometimes it's because you have been battling chronic illness or serious medical conditions or just the press of academic work piling up till it feels like it's going to crush you. Paul says, if you could see that work, that labor, as being motivated by love and gratitude to God for all that He's done in Jesus. Um, He goes on and and says to them, you know how we lived among you uh, for your benefit. Over in chapter 2, he says this, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship Brothers and sisters, working night and day that we wouldn't be a burden to any of you, we preach God's gospel to you. We encouraged, we comforted, we implored each one of you to live life worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. When I look at you and when my colleagues look at you, we see men and women who are committed to live those lives of service to one another and to the Lord. I see the way that you care for one another um, when someone is struggling. I have had those um, emails in the middle of the night or text messages uh, asking me to pray for some situation that you're deeply concerned about with someone at home or someone on campus. You are a living testimony to those labors of love. Uh, The Thessalonians welcomed the message with joy, and the word of the Lord rang out. Beloved, the word of the Lord rings out from this place. I hear stories all the time when I get a chance to be in churches in different parts of the country of people that know covenant grads or who even know you and who speak of your testimony and your faithfulness to the Lord. One of our um, graduates, um, his name is John, he was a ComDev major, graduated about 10 years ago, went out to work in an Islamic Republic, and while he was there uh, trying to help um, a fledgling church plant, he got hauled in before the magistrate, um, the judge of that particular island, and accused of testifying to Jesus. Uh, What would you do if you were put on trial? for loving Christ and for talking about Him. Well, John was in that situation, um, and he stood up boldly, and he looked at uh, the magistrate, and he said, well, you tell me, should I obey you or should I obey God? And the magistrate was so flummoxed, he let him go. And John kept working and working, and today he and his wife, uh, Pris, are translating the Bible into that dialect uh, to help a growing church continue um, to grow and mature. Um, There are some of you that will be going out after graduation. A student came in yesterday and told me that they're headed to the back of beyond, somewhere in Central Asia that I can't even find on a map to take the good news of Jesus Christ. Another one is going to be going uh, to Latin America and Central Europe with the good news of Jesus. And whether you're doing that vocationally or whether you're doing it in the context of being an engineering student after you leave Covenant down at Georgia Tech, or whether you're working in the arts or whatever it is you're doing, you in the power of the Spirit are performing works of love. And you're strengthened by the Holy Spirit 
with an endurance of hope. Paul says, we recall your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Down in verse 7, he says, you welcomed the message, and so you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Um, He said, we don't even need to talk about it because the reports have been coming back. Your reputation that in spite of serious opposition, you welcomed the Word of God with joy, and you turned from idols to worship and serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son, Jesus, whom He raised from the dead, who rescues us from the wrath to come. We serve a risen Lord Jesus, who gave His life, living the life that um, we could never live, fulfilling all righteousness, dying the death that we dare never die on the cross, imputing His righteousness to us, paying our debt, giving us His Spirit so that we could run the race to the finish. We could persevere and continue to do the work. So, I know it's late in the semester. I know that maybe you're wishing it was all over. Could you see the opportunities before you to serve the Lord Jesus even through your academic work, even through your athletic work? I spoke to a baseball player um, about a game yesterday, and I said, how, how did the doubleheader go? And he smiled and said, well, we lost, but we played a good game. Beloved, all we're asking is that you pursue faithfulness, that you seek to honor the Lord in all that you do, whether it's in the classroom or on the courts uh, or in the dorm, and as you serve inside the church. You may not know it, um, but we have a student, a freshman biology major, Rena File. Uh, who had an article published in the Gospel Coalition this week. Yeah, that's... Don't look, she's over there and we're embarrassing her. But, But I wanted to share with you part of what she had written. The article title, you should look this up, it's really awesome. Gen Z, Let the Gospel Transform Your Creativity. And Rena wrote, our creativity is a gift with a purpose to glorify the God whose image we bear. For the Christian, the act of creating, whether we're developing nanotechnology, I don't even know what that is, um, methods of speech therapy, or a work of literary fiction becomes an act of worship. The focus isn't on our efforts, but on Christ and His glory as He makes all things new. We're fruitful only when we abide in Christ, John 15, 4 and 5. What we do in Christ, by Christ, for Christ, has eternal value. I'm saddened watching my talented peers pursue fulfillment apart from Christ, driven by creative ambition that depends on our own achievement of influence and glory. If we're more driven by the thought of what we ourselves could do, rather than what Christ has done, and is doing. Our creativity will consistently leave us empty. I pray my fellow creative Gen Zers would allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to enter their lives and transform their creations into something meaningful and worshipful, something of eternal value in His eternal kingdom. Let's be surprised. Let's be humbled. Let's be amazed 
at what God can do through us when we surrender to Him the gifts He gave us if we seek His will and not our own. If we desire to channel our creativity towards making a lasting difference in the world, then setting our hope in the Creator rather than hoping in our own creativity will make all the difference. Do you see what Rena is saying? You want what you're doing here at the college to count for eternity. You give it to the Lord Jesus. You do it in His name. You do it in the power of His Spirit. And then whether anybody notices or praises you, it will have eternal significance and bring glory and praise to the King when we see His face. Pray with me. Father, um, these men and women are amazing. The gifts and abilities you have given them, I pray that you would help them to see their work afresh as an act of worship, an act of praise, that you would empower them by your Spirit for works of faith and labors prompted and motivated by the love that they have experienced in Jesus. And Father, that they would persevere with an endurance inspired by hope who is not just an abstraction, but is the living, risen Lord Jesus who holds us in the grip of His grace. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.